So once plans identify which groups of members have the biggest disparities in a specific measure, let's say adherence to your hypertension medication, um, pharmacists can really help. They can help with outreach, they can help with education as to the importance of taking your medications regularly, the consequences if they don't. They can support delivery of the medication if that's a problem. They can identify you know, sources of support with co-pays or just finding out what barriers are preventing patients from taking their medications. Welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show, where quality measurement leads to better patient outcomes. This show will be your go-to source for all things related to quality improvement and medication use in healthcare. We will hit on trending health topics as they relate to performance measurements and find common ground for payers and practitioners. We will discuss how the Equip platform can help you with your performance goals. We will also make sure to keep you up to date on pharmacy quality news. Please note that the topics discussed are based on the information available at the date and time of recording. Information or guidelines are updated periodically, and we will always recommend that our listeners research and review any guidelines that are newly published. Buckle up and put your thinking cap on. The Quality Corner Show starts now. Welcome to this review of the 2023 Pharmacy Quality Alliance Annual Meeting with Lisa Hines and Christy Teiglin. Christy and Lisa both presented at the meeting this year, and we pulled them aside for this interview as their presentations were some of the most in-demand sessions from this year's meeting. Christy's talk focused on the coming Health Equity Index and Lisa's with reference to the PQA Risk Adjustment Model. So we're going to go ahead and welcome our guest first. Christy, welcome to the show, and how are you doing today? I'm doing great and happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. We're pleased to have you. And then Lisa, welcome back to the Quality Corner Show. How have you been? Doing well. Um, My pleasure. Uh, Love this session and happy to be here to recap some highlights from our meeting. Absolutely. Well, appreciate having you both both of you here. I'm going to take a quick moment before we get into the actual questions. Christy, do you mind giving us a brief introduction for yourself and explain what, what it is that you do at Innovalon? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I'm a PhD economist by training. Uh, I've been working in healthcare, though, for more than 25 years. I'm currently a vice president in our research science and advanced analytics team uh, in at Innovalon. Uh, I'm in our data insights, data solutions division. So I get to play with all of the data that a Novalon gets from working with health plans across the United States. So I do studies uh, focused on quality measurement development and testing, which is some of the work I've done with PQA, uh, work on health disparities, health equity for more than 10 years. Also do all kinds of life science research, health economics outcomes research, treatment patterns research. Um, So I work with health plans, providers, life science um, across the board to really provide actionable real world data insights. (laughs) Excellent. Well, Christy, excited to have you here and definitely sound like the right expert to talk about health equity, which we're going to get into in uh, just a short moment. But Lisa, you've been on the show before, but do you you mind reminding the audience what it is that you do at PQA? Sure, my pleasure. I'm Lisa Hines, Chief Quality and Innovation Officer at PQA. 
I oversee our research and quality measurement teams and the overall strategy. And uh, I have had the pleasure of working with Christy um, on our various panels. It was instrumental in advising our risk adjustment advisory panel in the development of our risk adjustment model, as well as some of the testing. And she's currently chair of our health, one of, one of the chairs of our health equity um, technical expert panel. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with Christy. Excellent. Well, we've got quite the dynamic duo, and I'm excited for this question and answer session that we'll have with our audience. Uh, before I jump into the background and the questions, I will note that uh, PQA has also provided us with uh, some of the slides that were included for their presentation. So while you are listening to this episode, please be sure to check out the show notes and to be able to access that information. Now, for the purposes of background, in the 2024 Medicare Advantage in Part D final rule issued on April 5th, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services finalized two important proposals to reduce medication use quality disparities in a variety of populations. Specifically, CMS will implement a new health equity index and separately implement risk adjustment models for the adherence measures in the Part D star ratings program. So, Christy, we're going to start with you, and we're going to start talking about that health equity index. So, can you help us understand, you know, basically what's the what's the one minute elevator pitch to understand the CMS health equity index? Uh, yeah, sure. the The health equity index is really an enhancement as uh, to the Medicare Advantage Five Star program, but the goal is really to incentivize contracts to do better with socially at-risk beneficiaries. So what this health equity index uh, summary measure will do is summarize the performance at the contract level across a subset of the STAR measures, and it's gonna be included as part of the rating system by 2027. Um, it's gonna be part of the plan's STAR rating as well as the reward factors that, that they might be able to receive. So it's gonna be based on two years of data, um, a contract has to be measured on at least half of the measures to get a score. Um, it's really going to only impact contracts with 500 or more members, so it's kind of specific. And and the and the contracts have to have a minimum number of of members that have social risk factors. So it's pretty technical, but it's a composition of existing measures that plans should be familiar with. Excellent, thank you. Christy, for that initial answer response, and I'll note for our listeners, and when we look at Medicare, Medicare plans and talking about items that are done at a contract level, that may be a specific subset for a health plan in the population that they're serving, the benefit that they're offering in those areas or communities. Now, Christy, a follow-up question, or the first of many follow-up questions that we're going to have, um, what is going to be really included with the health equity, uh, the composite health equity index? And so why is it going to be important for the plans to understand? You already noted about some of this that it's going to have financial incentives, but do you mind drilling down a little bit further for us? Sure. So how it's going to work is that within each contract, they are going to calculate the measures that are included in this index two ways, one for members without social risk factors and one for members with social risk factors. The risk factors they're going to start with um, are people who are disabled, uh, people who are dual eligible for Medicaid, or people who are low income subsidy status. Um, CMS has said that they will add other stratifications um, of social determinants of health that they know are important, but they just don't have the data right now. Um, things like race, ethnicity, 
income, education, but for now it's just disability, dual eligible, low income subsidy. So contract performance rates for the members that have those social risk factors will then be ranked against other contracts, right? They're gonna rank them from best to worst and only that top one third of contracts for each measure will get a point for that measure. If they are in the middle third, they don't get any points for that measure. And if they're in the bottom third, they actually get subtracted a point by a point. So how the index works is that they, they, they figure out where you land on each of the measures, they add them up and average them to get your health equity index score. So the score is gonna be between minus one, that's the worst you could do. You're, you, got, you got minus one for every single measure, you're in the bottom third up to plus one, you you were in the top third for every single measure. Um, and the reward factor is gonna be 0.4 times your score. So if you got the maximum value of one, you scored in the top third for every measure, you could get nearly a half a point added to your star rating. And that's really significant for MA plans. It can translate into hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Christian. For the Medicare Advantage plans, the difference of a half star rating could be um, quite monumental for how they're going to be working with their beneficiaries, and, and which to us as the pharmacies, they're the patients, but for the health plan, it's their beneficiaries, it's their enrollees. Now, Christy, I've got two additional questions for you focusing on this topic, and so far we've talked about it from the, the payer or the health plan perspective, but for technology vendors, and then in particular, the downstream uh, healthcare providers such as pharmacists, who are going to be working with health plans to address patient care and perhaps address elements of the health equity index, what do they need to be prepared for? And um, how can they, you know, perhaps make some changes in their practice to help address these items? Sure. Uh, yeah, for payers, the, the time to get started is now. Um, it, they really need to start looking at their data now to be able to make an impact on their score when they're published in 2027. Remember that they're going to use two years of history data. And we all know, uh, those of us who work in quality measurement, that it takes time to move those measures. So first of all, plans can use their own internal data to see how they're doing internally. How are they doing with members with social risk factors compared to members without? So they can really see where they have the largest disparity gaps. But what they also need, um, and this is where the vendors come in, is access to benchmark data on how other MA contracts, Medicare Advantage contracts are performing, right? So that they so that they can sort of mock up and figure out where they're going to land on this health equity index. So this is one place in Novalon and my research team has been helping big M Medicare Advantage plans figure out where they're going to rank on each measure, where their biggest disparities are, project what their score is likely to look at, and so forth. Um, on the pharmacy side, the pharmacy partners can definitely play a role because a big number of these five-star measures are medication-related, um, including three of the triple-weighted medication adherence measures that I know Lisa's going to be talking about in a minute. So once plans identify which groups of members have the biggest disparities in a specific measure, let's say adherence to your hypertension medication, 
Um, pharmacists can really help. They can help with outreach. They can help with education as to the importance of taking your medications regularly, the consequences if they don't. They can support delivery of the medication if that's a problem. They can identify you know, sources of support with co-pays or just finding out what barriers are preventing patients from taking their medications. Um, as I've learned from my work with the Pharmacy Quality Alliance, um, yeah, the pharmacists are often the closest to patients. They see them most often. They have a relationship of trust. So this can go a really long way to identify and address those sensitive social issues that we know people might not feel comfortable talking about with their health plan or even their physician because they're not sure how the information is going to be used. So pharmacies definitely have a key role. It takes a village. <laughs> Christy, speaking on behalf of myself as someone who is trained and educated educated as a pharmacist, I thank you for that last 60 seconds or so, which was really my motivation as to why we do the things we do in the pharmacy profession. Uh, absolutely great call out that you provided on how and why pharmacists, why pharmacists in the pharmacy profession can play a role. So that's really exciting to hear from, from someone like yourself. Now, Final question I'll ask for you before we uh, go over to Lisa, but the health equity index, this is really designed at a population level to make sure that we're improving care and outcomes. Um, how do you expect that it will show improved care and outcomes for our socially at-risk beneficiaries? You know, the health equity index, you know, finally puts actual skin in the game with dollars attached um, to improving performance for disadvantaged members. I think we all believe it's the right thing to do, but now there's really evidence on the return on investment of doing the right thing. Um, and I really believe that's going to incentivize plans who might be behind in addressing health equity to take real action. Um, also, the, the construct of the health equity index, it's composed of multiple outcome measures, um, really gives health plans an opportunity to focus their resources on where the biggest disparities are within their plan. And that's going to be different across different Medicare Advantage plans. So, you know, that just CMS forcing this exercise of comparing outcomes for members with and without social risk factors can really help, um, you know, uncover areas where maybe plans are doing really well with dual eligibles or, or low-income folks. Um, but there's going to be some other areas where they might not be, you know, where they're underperforming. And that's where they really need to focus their limited resources, their interventions to, to really make a difference. So I'm a believer in data-driven decision-making, and I think this uh, new initiative uh, is really is really going to, as I said, uh, you know, give the right incentives for plans to invest in doing the right thing. Perfect. Thank you, Christy. So I'm going to transition us to our couple of questions with Lisa, but Christy, hang tight. We may have a, a bonus question here for you at the end to get your final thoughts. Uh, Lisa, as this goes, CMS, we, we covered this in the introduction, but recently CMS recently decided to implement PQA's risk adjustment model for the adherence measures in the Part D star ratings program. Can you explain for the audience what these sociodemographic risk adjustment factors are? And then what's, what's really the goal with this implementation? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, risk adjustment is often called case mix adjustment in the measurement space. And it's a st statistical model to account for patient-related factors that may impact 
health outcomes, but maybe out of the control of the measured entity, which in this place is the health plan. Uh, in terms of sociodemographic, or we refer to it as SDS, that is refers to social and demographic factors. So the demographic factors in our risk adjustment model include sex and age. And then the social factors are aligned with what, what Christy was talking about, uh, the low income subsidy status, dual Medicare, Medicaid eligibility, and disability. So risk adjustment accounts for these factors that are known to influence adherence with the goal to make fair and correct conclusions about the quality of care provided. Excellent, Lisa. So that's our description. That's kind of our what, if you will. What about the, the when? Uh, when is the when are, when are these risk adjustment factors going to be included? What is the timeline? And then what are the implications for CMS's decision to implement this for the model and for the adherence measures? Sure. It's um this model has is much anticipated, so we're excited that it's being um, implemented. And this is through the rulemaking process because there these adherence measures are star measures. CMS announced that PQA's risk adjustment model for adherence will be phased in over three years. They'll first display the SDS risk adjusted adherence measures in the 2026 display page. That corresponds with measurement year 2024. And the legacy or unadjusted adherence measures will remain in the STAR ratings. The risk-adjusted measures will then replace the existing measures beginning in 2028 STAR ratings, and that corresponds to the 2026 measurement year. CMS also intends to incorporate SDS risk adjustment operationally, so sharing those measure rates in their reports to Part D plan sponsors in the last monthly patient safety report of the measurement year. So, so plan sponsors will get a glimpse of what those risk-adjusted rates are looking like um, in the background. Thanks, Lisa. So the key part here, you referenced this, Christy referenced this, this there, there has to be data collection first uh, so that plans, so that the contracts have, have an idea around what those numbers are and then how they build that into their process. Uh, for, for their quality improvement initiatives. Lisa, moving to my, my next question and consideration, this all sounds good, and this all sounds positive as it relates to getting good data, getting better data, and getting a better sense on you know the care for patients and the work done by those health plans and then downstream providers. Are there potential drawbacks or limitations when it comes to risk adjustment? Um, that, I think, is a question that a lot of folks may ask, so interested to hear you know, what, what are your thoughts on how that could be impacting the program? Sure. There are possible unintended consequences for risk adjusting social variables. And that, you know, these are theoretical, but possible. Um, establishing a lower standard of care for certain patients or obscuring the differences in quality among providers. And so a balanced approach needs to be taken uh, when, when pursuing risk adjustment. And also, risk adjustment only addresses the patient factors, and there could be provider-level characteristics impacting performance on the measure, such as the robustness of the local healthcare workforce. So overall, a balanced and thorough consideration of the pros and cons are critical to, de to deciding if and how to risk adjust quality measures, and that is why stratification of unadjusted measure rates is important to identify the disparities to be able to take action. And uh, also, you know, the health equity index is additional motivation to reduce the disparities. Excellent. Lisa, 
final primary question that I have for you related to this topic, and it's going to be related to PQA's efforts more broadly. How else is PQA evaluating its approach to quality and measurement to address health equity? Yeah, um, as I mentioned, we have a health equity technical expert panel that was launched this month, and Christy's one of the co-chairs. Uh, the, the panel's goal is to develop recommendations for stratifying PQA measures, um, expanding to other variables. For example, we're discussing race and ethnicity um, and the availability of data sources in different lines of business. So um, we're also going to look at other approaches to ensure our measures are accurately capturing quality while advancing health equity. And we can look at this in measure testing and then also provide recommendations uh, for measures that are implemented in existing programs. Uh, the panel is highly technical. We are focusing on statistical methods that are needed for stratification and risk adjustment and uh, therefore have you know, highly specialized individuals on the panel. We also have patients on the panel uh, with diverse backgrounds participating to help us stay focused on their needs and perspectives. And we're really looking forward to seeing this panel's progress this year and into 2024. Excellent. Uh, work is never done, Lisa, and I think that's the <laughs> message that we get loud and clear as it relates to this. So uh, before we close, I appreciate Christy, Lisa, having both of you here on the show to go through and talk about some of the highlights from your sessions. I know we didn't cover everything. We're gonna, again, reference some folks they can check out in our show notes, the slides that we presented as well. We've got one final question for each of you. And, and Christy, I'll start with a question for, for you. When should health plans be starting their, their efforts around the health equity index? And was that was, is the answer to that question, they should have started already? Yeah, the answer is they should have started already. I think, uh, you know, some plans are in a little bit of denial because this is complicated, right? And they don't even know where to start. So, you know, under starting to understand how it's going to be constructed, figuring out just internally with your own data, stratifying measures, if you have that capability to calculate quality measures. Well, lots of plans have those teams of analytic folks, but some plans don't. So if you don't, you can find a, a data partner to help you with that. If you do, you should be looking internally. How are your members with social risk factors uh, performing on these measures compared to members who don't have any of those social risk factors? Because that's going to really help you see where you're disparities are? Where should I start to focus my resources? Because to budge these measures and to make a difference on health equity, uh, you know, takes a lot of time and effort. We talked about pulling in pharmacists. Well, you have to pull in community uh, providers, right, to help with outreach uh, to members. So all of this takes time. And, you know, the two years of data that'll be going into that first published rate is going to start collecting soon. So um, absolutely, the time is now. Uh, you know, they can reach out to Anovalon um, uh, uh, and uh, go to our, our website, anovalon.com, uh, christy.tiglin at anovalon.com. I can um, certainly guide you in, in the right direction and fill in, help you fill in the gaps, help you get started, help you with the right steps. So, uh, but, but yeah, it's not too early to get started on this. Perfect, Christy. Yeah, not too early might be too late to have an impact on those initial years of the, the data uh, and, and operational changes. Lisa, final different question for you uh, and for our listeners that are coming from the pharmacy uh, perspective that, that's here, where can they go to find you know, practical examples on how pharmacy can impact 
uh, social determinants of health, addressing health equity. Um, are there any you know, resources or information that PQA has worked on uh, or perhaps leaders with some of the PQA task force that may be able to help provide some insight? Yeah, that's a great question um, and follows on to Christie's kind of passionate po points about what pharmacists and pharmacies are doing to address um, social determinants. PQA has an SDOH resource guide available on our website. We continue to update it um, and advancing advancing it over time. And it is frequently referenced um, as a great resource. So we're committed to continuing to maintain this as a good of an example of what good looks like, um, you know, positive case studies in addressing uh, social factors, including um, food deserts and um, transportation issues. Excellent. Lisa, appreciate that. And before we go, I know uh, a real quick item, Lisa, if folks want to hear more from you or from PQA, what's the best way to reach out? So the best way to reach out is we actually have a technical assistance form on our website. Uh, you navigate to our website and go to the measures tab and then measure use. Um, you can always email me at lhines at pqaalliance.org. And there's a general um, technical assistance email that's measure use at pqaalliance.org. Thank you very much. Well, Christy, Lisa, I thank you. Uh, both for appearing on the show today and taking some time out of your busy schedule here as we're in the early days of summer 2023. Again, not too early to start working on those health equity and risk adjustment items, whether you are a health plan or whether you're a pharmacy supporting a health plan in those areas. Uh, whether you're a health plan or a pharmacy, we're doing it to help support the patients and the, the people that are in our community. So that's really the biggest winner out of all of this is the people that we are uh, that we are living, working, and serving next to. So Christy, Lisa, I appreciate having both of you on the show. Thank you for your time. And audience, with that, we have wrapped up this episode. So we thank you for joining us today, and we hope you listen to our next episode of the Quality Corner Show. Before we go, we have one final message from the PQS team. The Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show has a request for you. Our goal is to spread the word about how quality measurement can help improve health outcomes, and we need your help in sharing this podcast to friends and colleagues in the healthcare industry. We also want you to provide feedback, ask us questions, and suggest health topics you'd like to see covered. If you are a health expert and you want to contribute to the show or even talk on the show, please contact us. You can email info at pharmacyquality.com. Let us know what is on your mind, what we can address so that you are fully informed. We want you to be able to provide the best care for your patients and members and we wish all of you listeners out there well.